Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. The other day we were uh, we were nearby and we was having to doctor some some cattle and uh, my buddy reached out there and, and 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 he roped it by the by the neck and uh, I usually rope them by the neck but we didn't have four hours to get one done so he roped it by the neck and so uh, he roped it by the neck and I came in and it only took me two shots to catch one leg and uh, we laid it down and 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 Robert gets off and he does the doctoring and everything and I'm sitting there on my on butthead uh, that's what I call my horse butthead because he's real good looking except for his butt and his head and uh, so anyway I got my dally and I and I'm I'm kind of reared back holding this big old steer so it don't get up and 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 kill Robert and uh anyway I felt something you cowboys you know what I'm talking about you may not realize it yet but you know what I'm talking about it was on the it's a little tickle on the back of my neck it's like oh lord oh lord and then another one came and another one came and I got reins in this hand I'm holding a dally with this hand and I'm looking at Robert and I'm like I'm, I'm willing him go faster Go faster, go faster. And all of a sudden, we was in a swarm of gnats that numbered in the trillions. I mean, these gnats were everywhere. If you would like to see some, I've still got two in my ear and one under my left eyelid. Come take a look after church, I'll show them to you. Larry, Moe, and Curly. These gnats were everywhere and I'm sitting there and now they're all, I mean they're covering my horse and, and and I got fly spray okay gnats they they laugh at fly spray okay you know my horse is bobbing his head and I'm trying to you know do this and do this and 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 and, and Robert's doctrine well I can't do anything till he gets done well he he stops me and he's like you see all these gnats everywhere <laughs> I'm like finish finish I'm dying they're eating my eyeballs out you know he's like get gone you know, like, oh uh, are we done I'm like yeah yeah we're done he's like oh I gotta give him one more shot so so I'm over there and I got you know you ever seen those uh, people that got like flies crawling on their eyelids and stuff like that that's the way it was with gnats I'm covered it looked like a human bee deal and so I'm, I'm sitting there I'm like oh my gosh I can't believe this is happening finally he gets back on his horse we let we let it up and and I'm trying to be tough, okay? I'm not tough. I'm not tough at all. We're riding along, and I think there was like this unspoken deal, like we're not going to slap at our face or anything. We're just going to be tough, let the gnats crawl all over us and everything. And I was like, golly, I finally, I mean, I'm literally going like this off my shirt. That's how many gnats there are. Well, Robert looks over at me. And I, you know, gnats are small. You can't really see them, and we're not very far apart, but it doesn't look like there's any on him, right? He looks over at me and goes, oh, that's cool. I said, what? He goes, your hat is moving. It looks like a woolly hat. You, you, he, said, he said, you've got a gnat hat. <laughs> so you know what I did? I was like, Really? That's cool. And they all went, right on top of my head. I was like, ah, ah, ah. And then I, I mean, by the time I put my hat back on, there's like a trillion in there, and they was all doing the Macarena. On my buzz cut, right? And I'm like, I guess. I take my hat off. They go into my hair, but I put my hat on, they're trapped in there. 
I'm in a wreck, and I'm, I'm like starting to cry, but I don't want to cry in front of Robert. You know what I mean? He's my buddy, but I mean, I was like, ah, I'm dying here. I'm absolutely dying. It, you know, and the, and the moral of the story is, is, is this right here. Cowboys are tough, and they work in the harshest conditions known to mankind, right? And sometimes that includes bugs, okay? I'll take rattlesnakes. I don't like bugs. I'm not scared of them. I just don't like them when they're up my nose. It's just this, it's like this deal I have. Cowboys are tough, and they have, the, have to work in the harshest conditions out there. You know, uh, cowboys have a sense of humor and a sense of adventure that, that just kind of borders on genius. He knew exactly that I would look at it. He's like, hey, dude, your, your hat's crawling. I'm like, really? <laughs> Stupid. Not him, me for doing it. You know, cowboys have a sense of humor and adventure that borders on sheer genius. And cowboys are dumb enough to fall for You want to see something cool? Or how many times, cowboys, have you heard this? I bet you can't fill in the blank. You ever tell a cowboy, you know what? I bet you can't do it. You want to watch me? By gosh, I can do that. <laughs> there have been more people killed by that than cattle and horses combined. Or, I dare you to, oh, <laughs> you got to do it. I mean, it's like this third grade deal that grown men play, you know. I dare you to, well, I dare you to. <sighs> Crazy. While that may be funny and have, you know, kind of a thread of truth to it, it would not be an accurate definition of who a cowboy is and his way of life. The study of, of being a cowboy, the study of, of what a cowboy is, I, I call it cowboy theology. The study of, of what and, and who a cowboy is. And I've kind of narrowed it down to, now you have to understand, I am not, I'm not, we're not saying that you have to do this or you have to do that. Th these, are, these are broad strokes, okay? These are just broad, broad strokes in my, I make a living out of using a cowboy as an illustration. Cowboy theology. Number one, did you know that anyone can be a cowboy? Anyone can be a cowboy. We, we were at the cult starting clinic yesterday, and uh, we were talking to the, uh, I was talking to the eventual first place winners. Congratulations to Jace Angus and Ben Grogan. And uh, yeah, give them a, they, they did a phenomenal job. And, and I th if, I, if I remember right, you know, Ben's 23. He didn't start riding horses until he was 16. I, it, that, that man has done an amazing amount of, of work in, in, in what, that's like three years or five, however many years that is. Somebody use a calculator right quick. Uh, however many years that is, he, he's done an amazing job. He wanted to be a cowboy. He wanted to be a horseman. And so he put everything into it. He, I mean, he sold out. Because he wanted to be a cowboy in that area. Anybody can be a cowboy. It only really takes one thing to be a cowboy. you got to want it. Seriously. You've got to want it. I mean, there's no... You're not automatically a cowboy if you were born on a ranch. And don't ever say, well, I can't be a cowboy because I... You can be a cowboy if you want it. It seriously is, and I know that that's a complicated <laughs> after it, but that's where it has to start. you got to want it. What separates cowboys from normal people? They wanted it, and the other people didn't. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, normal people, I thought the same thing when I wrote that. What separates them? We wanted it. 
where others didn't. And it doesn't make us better or anything. But, but if your dream is, is to live this Western lifestyle and, and to improve and, and, and to be a cowboy and, and to go by these, these six deals, courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and trust, I mean, you can do it, but you just got to want it. There are no prerequisites. You can start right now. We're not going to look back and say, well, you haven't done this and you haven't done this and you haven't done this and you haven't done this, so you can't be a cowboy. No, you can become a cowboy right now. Now, you'll have a long ways to go, but you can do that. The second thing in my cowboy theology, the study of being a cowboy, is this. You have to sell your soul to be a cowboy. A cowboy is the caretaker of the land, the stock, the water, and all things in between. It's kind of like this. A cowboy no longer has the luxury of putting himself first. He has the honor of being able to put himself last. Cowboys will, will go out and check cows. I mean, get this, last night we had this big colt starting competition and we had a dance afterwards and two of our cowboys, and they might both be sitting here, but I know one is, they, they, after a long day and everything, one of their cows, a local rancher's cow had twins and they couldn't find the other one. They went out for hours searching for one calf. That's what cowboys do. They put the stock, they put everything before themselves. Oh, it, it, it's 10 degrees outside while, while you know, schools are shut down and everything. When everybody else is going in, you know what cowboys do? They go out. That's what it's like to be a cowboy. You've got to give it all. It's not, and, and here's the thing. To be a cowboy, to practice the art of being a cowboy, it ain't about you anymore. It's about what you do and the things that have been entrusted to your care. It's not about you anymore. You have to literally, and maybe not literally, it's a euphemism, but you have to sell your soul to be a cowboy. You've got to give everything else up and say, no, this is what I want to do. The hardest lesson learned is when a cowboy finally comes to the amazing realization that he will put everything ahead of himself. That's the mark of a top hand. That's the mark of, of somebody that's handy. The third thing in our cowboy theology is this. Cowboys do cowboy stuff. Cowboys do cowboy stuff. I mean, they don't just sit around and, and, and talk about it. Cowboys do cowboy stuff. A cowboy is defined by what he does, not by his duds. Okay? A cowboy is defined by what he does, not his duds. I don't care if, if we wear a, a straight-up cowpuncher hat or, or a flat hat buckaroo. You, you can put on a sombrero, and that don't make you a vaquero, okay? You are defined by what you do, not by your duds. There's only one way to become a cowboy, and that is OJT. You know what OJT stands for? On-the-job training. You don't become a cowboy by talking about it. You become a cow. Now, you can learn about being a cowboy, and you should talk to people about being a cowboy, and you should, you know, read books and watch videos, and there's nothing wrong with that, but that's, that's for practice. You don't become a cowboy by watching a video. You become a cowboy by doing what was on that video. It's on-the-job training. The fields of study are as diverse as the colors of horses, but one constant remains. Cowboys do cowboy stuff. Some cowboys, man, th their specialty is, is, is uh, you know, cows. Others are horses. Still others are 
you know, maybe even educating people with hands-on knowledge of cows and horses. I mean, I'm not limiting it to say, oh, you've got to be able to ride a horse Mach 12 across the pasture and rope something in order to be qualified as a cowboy. That's not what I'm saying. Just like Jake was saying, my hands and feet and eyes and ears and, you know, like, like a few of us, butts, you know, uh, uh, it, it just ta- it takes all kinds. So I'm not trying to say that I'm trying to pigeonhole being a cowboy to one specific area of study or, or passion. It's as diverse as the, as the stars in the sky. But let's make no mistake about it. Anyone can be a cowboy if you want it. You have to give everything. You have to learn to put yourself last if you're going to be a true cowboy. Because true cowboys put everything else before their own needs, before their own wants, before their own desires. And a cowboy has to do cowboy stuff. And did you know that in Titus chapter 2, Paul says an eerily same message. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, Paul says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation. Salvation is means you're saved and you're going to go to heaven. For the grace of God has been revealed, that is Jesus Christ. He is, you know, that's what God showed his grace by sending his son. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. What does this mean? It means that by God's grace and his grace alone, meaning Jesus Christ, anyone can go to heaven. Did you know that there are no prerequisites? See, a lot of people think, well, you know, man, if, I, if I'm going to go to heaven, you know, I, I got to, you know, before I accept Jesus, man, I got I to gotta quit this and I got to quit that and I got to start doing this and I start. No, there are no prerequisites. You can be saved today and spend eternity in heaven and there is nothing you can do to prepare for it. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. You just have to want it. That's it. it you know. A lot of people will say a lot of different things, but that is the truth. You can be saved today, and if you choose to, you can spend eternity in heaven by just asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You don't have to get cleaned up and then get saved. You get saved, and then God starts cleaning you up and start making you a top hand. It only takes knowledge that we cannot save ourselves. You, you, you can't save yourself. You may think you're tough. You may think you're good. Well, I, I'm a good person. No, you're not. Neither am I. Because we've all lied. We have all, and I mean, I could just sit here and, and just go through the list and every stinking one of us have done it. We're not good. We like to tell ourselves that we're good so that we'll pat ourselves on the back so that we won't have to give our lives to Jesus Christ. But the truth of the matter is, ain't none of us are good and we all need a Savior and God sent us a Savior. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through the Son. You know, isn't it funny how every single one of us here today and the rest of the world, those watching online, those listening to the radio, those listening to the podcast, the, you know, th- those that you'll talk to later about this, isn't it funny how everyone is searching for three things? They search for a way, I, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Searching for a way. And they search for the truth, the real truth, not opinions, not, not anything else. They, we have this built-in desire to know the truth, the concrete truth. And we want that life that is fulfilling. And all three of those things that we've all been searching for, away, looking for the truth and looking for the life, every single bit of it is found in a single man, but not just a man. He was God's one and only boy that was sent 
to live a perfect life because you can't. But he lived a perfect life, but yet he was punished for all of our sins, past, present, and future. That's how we are able to go to heaven and spend eternity with our Lord and Savior in perfection where there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more sickness. And you can have that. There are no prerequisites. Anybody can be a cowboy if they want it. What do you want? You want that or the other? By not choosing that, you are choosing. Anyone can be a cowboy and anyone can go to heaven. Anybody can be saved. You got to want it for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to everybody that wants it. Simple as that. And then in the next two verses, Paul says this, And we are instructed, okay? Listen to this. And we are instructed. You are supposed to do what Paul is fixing to say. And it didn't come from him. It came from God. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. When he'll come back. What does all that mean? That means you have to give up everything, folks. You've got to sell your soul. You've got to give it all. You can't just give a little and think that's enough. Jesus says, man, you're all in or you're all out. There, 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 is, there, there is no in-between. You're either all in or you're all out. But yet, well, you know, we want to hold on to the sinful pleasures and godless living while we live with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. You can't do both. Jesus himself said, you can't serve two masters. You're either all in or you're all out. You have to sell your soul, or the Bible calls it dying to self. And you know what the one word definition of dying to self is? Boy, it's a bad word. If it don't make you cringe, you know, whew. The one word definition of dying to self is humility. Humility. We no longer put ourselves first. We love those around us and put everything else, everyone else before us in everything that we do. We say, you know what? It's not about us anymore. It's about, it's about them. Show me a Christian without humility and I'll show you a religion without Christ. Show me a Christian without humility and I'll show you a religion without Christ, without Jesus. When we become a Christian, we tell the world that we acknowledge that life is no longer about ourselves. It ain't about, when you give your life to God, and you humble yourselves, and you get down on your knees, literally, figuratively, spiritually, and you say, God, I give my life to you. You are saying that I'm going to let go of pride. I'm going to let go of all these sinful pleasures of godless living. All of that is about us. It's not about us anymore. And in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, the very next verse, Paul says, he gave his life, talking about Jesus, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people. And then in, in this version, there's one, two, three, four, five, six words. Six words. Think to yourselves for just a second. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people. And then he says, totally committed to, and there's three words. What do you think they are? Think to yourself right now. Paul's saying, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make his very own people. Totally committed to, here's the answer, doing good things. Doing good things. See, Christians do Jesus stuff. Christians do Jesus stuff. Christians do, cow, uh, Christians do cowboy stuff. Christians do Christian stuff. Cowboys do cowboy stuff. A Christian is defined by his walk, not by his talk. 
Christianity is on-the-job training. You don't learn from sitting in your safe little lazy boy or opening your Bible up just for a few moments each night before you fall asleep and don't remember what you said. You're, you're not being, I'm sorry, but you're not being a Christian and we're not saying that you gotta, you, you, you gotta go out and, and, and go to Guatemala or, or go adopt kids from China, but you need to do something because the Apostle Paul says he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make his, us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. But when you go to do good stuff, I've got a warning for you. I can, I can kind of feel it. Man, y'all are like, yeah, man, I can be a Christian and I, you know, and I, I, I need to be humble and I need to go good stuff, man. And this is great. I'm with God. Yeah, rah, rah. I'm going to go do good stuff. You ever try to doctor a sick cow? <laughs> You ever tried to doctor anything that was hurt? Man, it's awesome when, 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 a, when a big 700-pound or 2,000-pound bull, when they're, when they're hurt, you know what they do? They run up to you and they go, will you help me? And they just lay down. It's awesome. I love being a cowboy. <laughs> that is not the way it goes. That is not the way it goes. When you go try to help something, it tries to kill you. It does. It tries to kick you. It tries to maul you. You know, uh, runs up under your butt, throws you over a fence. I mean, when things hurt, they attack. And when you go to do good stuff as a Christian, time and time again I hear people, well, I tried to help them and they was mean to me. Oh, duh. They wouldn't need help if they were, if they were well. Jesus himself said the healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do. And when you go out there to rope something and, and, and you're trying to help it and you're trying to give it the one thing it needs, it's going to fight you. Big deal. Suck it up, buttercup. Nobody said this was going to be easy. They killed Jesus for doing good stuff. They said something mean to me. Come on. When you do good stuff, man, I always say good, no good deed goes unpunished. Unfortunately, that's true. And unfortunately, that turns a lot of people away from God because they're not, they don't want it. They want the reward, but they don't want the work. They make it all about them. Well, they did this to me. You know what the only thing that can be wounded in you is? Pride, ego. You get your feelings hurt. You didn't get your feelings hurt. You had your pride hurt. God says, get rid of pride. Somebody said something that made you mad. You know why it made you mad? Because it made your ego mad. Because somebody didn't do what you thought they should. Big deal. What'd you expect? They're sick. They're not going to act the way healthy people do. You know, the, the, the sick one, we're, we're out there doctoring cattle, and you know what the healthy ones do? They come up and they look at you right here. And you can rope them by going, whew. Anybody can do that. The sick ones don't do that. They're way out there. And you got to, well, I got to chase them four miles. Some of you don't have to chase them four miles. Most Christians idea of good works is the spiritual equivalent of a cowboy putting himself, patting himself on the back because he roped the dummy in the arena. That is not good works. That is practicing for good works, people. You can practice good works by roping the dummy in the arena, and we're, we're using that as a metaphorical sense. You ain't done nothing until you go doctor something that's sick out in the pasture. You can practice in the arena. We can practice in church. You can help your, the guy sitting over here or over here, the guy that, you know, oh yeah, man, I'm trying to get, you, you can practice on them. But it ain't real till you go tearing out across God's green acres 
and you start doing what Jesus, you start doing the same things Jesus did, because see, he was a top hand. Man, he, he went after those that were seriously hurt, seriously sick. That's what he's called us to do. He gave his life to free us, to let us loose. We're no longer bound by four sides. It says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Go take care of them. And the ones that you try to take care of, they're going to try to kill you. And some of them may even get it done, but that's all right. The three pillars of Christianity, broad strokes. Paul says, we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Now you're going to think, well, wait a minute. Didn't you just get, hang on. We're talking about salvation. We are saved by faith. There is no prerequisites. Faith in Jesus Christ is what gets us to heaven. Until we get there, we are supposed to live with humility, dying to self. Jesus said, learn from me, for I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what we're all kind of searching for, is rest for our souls? He tells it to you just black and white. Learn from me, for I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He's never gone back on a promise, nor will he ever go back on a promise. You want to find rest for your souls? Get rid of that pride. Get rid of that ego that you've been carrying around because that's what's hurting you. You know what, you know what stress attacks? Pride and ego. Stress can, cannot attack you if you have no pride and ego because that's what it feeds on. We are saved by grace through faith. Don't get that mixed up. That is salvation. Faith alone. While we are here until we get to heaven, that our faith gets us there. We are to live with a humble attitude. And while we are living with a humble attitude, we have been given a job. We have been given a job. Three verses in James kind of summarizes our job here on earth. So you see, listen close, this is the last part. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. And I know you're going, wait, 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 you said this, and then you said this, and then you said this. You can't mix, you, you, you can't substitute things. You have to take them as the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Grace is what saves us, humble attitude, and then this. You see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue. <laughs> See, James, this is Jesus' brother writing this. James knows what's going through your mind already. James says, now someone may argue. Some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? You say you're a cowboy? I'm going to say you do cowboy stuff. If you say you have faith, for you believe that there is God. See, that, that he, boy, he's getting to the crux of it now. He's like, but, but, but wait, but wait. It says that we're saved by grace, not by faith. No, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. I believe in God, so I should be going to heaven, right? You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. <laughs> That's what James says. Well, good for you, cowboy. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe in God, and they tremble in terror. Oh, you believe in God? Believing in God does not get you to heaven. Faith in Jesus Christ, evidenced by humility, by a humble attitude, and good works is what faith is. Can't you see? James is pleading with us. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? How do we get to heaven? Grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's how we get to heaven. The evidence of that salvation is a humble attitude that you can be free of stress because you're supposed to let go of pride and ego, put others before you, and do good deeds. What are those good deeds? The things that God leads you to do that you will not want to do. That's, that's pretty, pretty much it. That is pretty much it. Well, I know that God said this, but I don't want to do that. Good, go do it. I don't want to feed cows hay in minus 10 degree weather. I want to go down and see Jake in Texas during 10 degree weather. 
But we do it anyway. We've been instructed to think less of ourselves, to to do good deeds, and to be saved for all of eternity through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go to God in prayer. God, give us the guts to know that we are sinners in need of saving. Let us throw off all the old excuses and humble ourselves before your mighty son. Let us sell our souls to him and have the opportunity to make a hand in the kingdom of God while we still have breath left in us. And it is in his son's name we pray. Amen.